Hello, I'm Kylie Fisher. Welcome to Let God Speak. The book of Ephesians explores one of the deepest purposes of God, to unite all things through Christ. But does this have any practical relevance in our lives in the 21st century? Stay with us as we see how the Apostle Paul applies this spiritual truth to the marriage relation. Today we have Harold Harker and Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Harold and Hannah. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's bow our heads in prayer before we begin our study today. Dear Lord, we're so grateful for your word and for the amazing truths that are revealed in the book of Ephesians. Please be with us as we study your plan for marriage today uh, as it is reflected to us in the book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So the passage that we are focusing on today is Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 21 to 33. I'll begin by reading Ephesians 5 verse 21, which says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So Hannah, our first question goes to you. Why is this verse so important mm. to our study today? Yeah, let me read first the first Peter, oh sorry, second Peter chapter three, verse fifteen and sixteen. It says, As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his um, epistle, um, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So sometimes Paul's writing or scripture can seem um, hard to understand, or maybe um, it might sound like uh, contradicting, but it's not. So, mm -hmm. but it's important for us to read in a context. So mm -hmm. this verse really help us. Um, it's very important because it uh, helps us to know the context, uh, the following. Okay. All right. So Harold, let's go over to you and you can tell us a little bit about how this verse, um, Ephesians 5 verse 21, sets up the context for what we're looking at today. Well, let's look at the next verse. Mm. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, if you took this verse just in isolation, mm. you could come up with all sorts of under, uh, uh, situations. However, it is put in the context of what Paul writes. You just read in verse 21, we submit to one another. And mm -hmm. so it's not talking about one in charge. It's submitting to each other mm -hmm. in reverence for Jesus. And so we're together with Jesus. Yeah. So and it's not just the wife that's submitting to the husband, but also there is the implication there that the husband is going to Correct. be listening to the wife. Yep. So, yeah. So let's explore that um, a little bit more. And let's just explore as well, because I think that's a really important point. It says, submit yourselves to one another in the fear of God. And also at the end of verse 22, which you just read, Harold, it says, 
wives submit yourselves to your husbands as and unto to the, the Lord. Lord. Mm. So how do we submit to God? Yes. Um, because God does call on us to obey him. Mm. But is that just sort of a blind submission mm. that we give to God? Good question. Uh, let us read Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. It's Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, it says that all your heart, all your soul and all your mind as well. It doesn't sound like it's just like a blind submission because mind, it, it's very intellectual as well. God mm -hmm. gives us mind and we, ha we are being who think, who think logically as mm -hmm. well. So yeah, it's not blind submission at all. It is um, out of our appreciation of His love. Yeah, that's right. And so God is love and all those, and he wants us to understand and mm. appreciate his love and be drawn to him because of his love. And so then in the same way, when the wife is submitting to her husband, it's because she is drawn by his love. Mm. Yeah. So, um, okay. So Harold, I've got another question for you. So how does the respect of a wife for her husband compare with her respect and her obedience to God. Well, let's look at verse 25 here. Uh, sorry, we go back to what Jesus did. And there is an example right back in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm. And I read this one in chapter four and verse mm. 10. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus set that as an example. And then Paul writes, writes again in Colossians and he says this in Colossians 1, as he, that's Jesus, is head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the bed, that in all things he, Jesus, may have preeminence. So when you're looking at husbands and wives, we look at Jesus who has the preeminence. If Jesus is the head together, as he it mentions here, we both look to him and there is happiness and joy there. Okay, all right. So even though um, like the, the love of a wife to her husband is like modelled on her love for Christ. Correct. But Christ is always first yes. in her allegiance. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the next verses now. So Hannah, let's go back to you um, because in these verses, Paul brings in a new metaphor. He brings in a new figure. Yeah. What new figure does he bring in and what new truth and new idea does this bring in? Sure, it's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. Mm. It says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. So these verse actually refer back to Ephesians 4, 15, 16 also to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 20, uh, sorry, 12. So Christ is the head and the church is his body. And that's, um, okay, so when we hear that, oh, does that mean it's just sound like blind submission that we're talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> but well, no, as the way that um, Christ sacrificed everything and we are 
so grateful and appreciate and we um, love him back and um, give him obedience. It's the same way there's a close union, the relationship uh, between husband and wife, and they are to be as closely united as the head is to the body. Yeah, right. that's right. And we're going to be exploring a little bit later on in our passage, just how much Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think, you know, when you think about the, the head and the body, it's true that, you know, with the mind, it gives directions to the rest of the body, but also the body sends communication signals back to the mind. Right. You know, if the body is in pain mm. or if the body can't do something, it's silly for the mind to just keep pushing. Mm. And so there should be communication both ways yeah. between the husband and the wife and the husband needs to listen to the wife as well. So, okay, so Harold, um, how does that point that Christ is the savior of the body? How does that link to the next part of the passage? Well, let's read what Paul continues in verse 25. Mm -hmm. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, you look at what Jesus did and here it says, husbands, you've got to care for and love your wife just as Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for it. He gave his life for it. You know, if this was really put into practice in every home, there would be no such thing as domestic violence, mm. husbands to wives or wives to husbands, because the love of Jesus permeates our relationship and we love each other as Jesus loved us. Yeah, that's just so fantastic. And domestic violence is such a big issue these days. And people can easily pull these verses that we've just been studying out of context um, and just say that the wife needs to just blindly submit to her husband and so on. But when we really look at this passage and look at it in its context, it is not saying that at all. So yeah, so we really do need to be really careful. So let's now move on because we, we've been talking a little bit and looking a little bit at the um, sacrifice of Christ for his church and that that's really the model that we have for marriage. So let's look at this because Paul develops a number of parallels between ancient wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. and and um, our relationship with Christ. So let's explore these. So um, let's look at, first of all, we've got um, in verse 25 there, Harold, which you just read, that Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So yeah, as you were saying, Harold, can you tell us a little bit more? How great is the love of Christ for the church? Well, Paul writes again, let me go back to the great book of Romans in chapter 5, And I'm reading verse seven and eight, and it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know, you've got to see Jesus would die for us while we were aliens, we were sinners, we weren't his children. And he says, I love them. I'm going to die for them. So he gave everything he had, even his life. Mm. That show demonstrates his love. And I guess if that love is demonstrated between husbands and wives, you've got perfect 
joy and happiness. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a little heaven on earth. Okay. So, um, all right, Hannah, a question then for you. Um, so at the end of verse 25, it says that, so as we've been saying, it says Christ loved the church. It says that he gave himself for it. Mm. Now, what ancient custom does that refer to? Yeah, so in ancient times, the groom would often pay a bride price, mm -hmm. so which was then given to the bride at the marriage. The bride price of Jacob, for example, for Rachel, was seven years of labors yeah. as well. Like, whoa, seven years, <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. But then it will lead me to think like, oh, okay, what is our price then? Well, we can find in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, mm. this is beautiful. It mm. says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, uh, conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of the Lamb, without blemish and without spot. Yeah. We were redeemed, not by any things like silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus has paid the penalty for us. Yeah, so it's, it's the love of Christ for us and the price that he paid mm. for us is just beyond compare. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we, we can't buy salvation. That's, it's just really, really amazing. So, and it's really amazing, you know, Christ, as we were saying before, he was the one that really came in search of us. He did these things without us um, being at all worthy of them. So, so these actions of Christ, apart from his church, then open the way for him to take specific actions toward his church that actually involve his church. So let's move on to um, verse 26 and let's um, look at that verse. And so what ancient custom, Harold, this is a question for you. What ancient custom does this verse refer to and what does that mean for us spiritually? Okay. In verse 26, it says that he, that's Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse it, that's his church, with the washing of water by the word. Now, cleansing, getting ready for a wedding is a big event even today. Yeah. And it certainly was then. And Jesus likens the relationship between husbands and wives between himself and the church. And so he says here, there is a cleansing. And let me go over to 1 John. Uh, and there is a verse there that's very important. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so there is a cleansing of our lives as we come to Jesus. And that's in preparation for a relationship with him, just like a relationship in a marriage. And that could even go to baptism, which is a, uh, a public testimony mm. that I've accepted Jesus and his love has touched my life. Yeah, and he has cleansed me as really? well. It's a, um, we don't, we're not actually cleansed by the water that we're no. baptised in, but it's a symbol of the, the spiritual cleansing Correct. that we've received from the blood of Jesus. Okay, so, and this verse also says sanctify it. So Hannah, can you tell us what does that mean? Sure. Sanctify. I want to read two verses. First is Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. Mm. It says, consecrate yourself therefore and be 
holy, for I am the Lord your God. Mm. And other one is John chapter 17, verse 19. It says, and for their sakes, um, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Mm. Mm. So here, sanctify means to set apart for a holy use or holy purpose. So mm -hmm. Christ has dedicated himself for our salvation. He sacrificed himself and gave everything for ourselves, for us. So we are also called upon to be dedicated to Christ. Mm. And a husband is to be devoted to his wife as Christ is devoted to the church. Yeah, that's just really amazing, isn't it? And um, so it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, as we've mentioned about baptism before, by the word. By the word. Yeah, so um, Harold, so how is the word significant? To well, cleansing? we're not left in doubt on that. John chapter 17 and 17 says, sanctify them, that's to cleanse them, to make them pure and holy, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Mm -hmm. And so God gives us his word. And as we study his word, as we read the Bible, we're drawn to Jesus. We see what his love is and we just say, I want to be like that. I want him in my life. Mm -hmm. I want him to lead my life. And so the word has a very important place to sanctify us, to bring us to the Lord. Okay, yeah, just so fantastic, isn't it? So, and um, it mentioned, yeah, as you were saying in that verse, sanctify them by thy truth, thy mm -hmm. word is truth. So that just really relates back to, to what we were just saying there. And so, um, so Hannah, let's come to you and I'll give you, um, ask you the next question. And so we've been talking about all these things that Christ is doing for his church. So what will be the final outcome of yes. all of these things that he mm. is doing for his church? Well, Ephesians 5, 27, it says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or winkle or any such things, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Wow, what a promise. Mm. So here, uh, through the strength of Christ and uh, um, the Christ dwelling in us through the um, Holy Spirit, God's end time people would overcome sin, not in our strength, but the Christ's strength. And um, so then, um, yeah, there will be, God will present us as a blemish. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful promise. Yeah, yeah. So it's really amazing how, even though we're really into the practical part of Paul's letter, mm. he's just really tying it in with all of these um, spiritual truths and just constantly drawing parallels between the marriage relationship on earth and how that relates to Christ. Really, really amazing. And so let's um, keep on moving on to the next part of our passage. So Paul further develops his metaphor about the union of husbands and wives. And so what further argument, Harold, do we find for husbands to love their wives in the next couple of verses? Well, this chapter goes on in verse 28 onwards. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Mm -hmm. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. You know, no one in a right mind thinks about hurting themselves. Uh, Self-harm is not part of it. 
and if my wife is part of me and I'm part of her, then I don't want to hurt her. She doesn't want to hurt me. And so here, this shows that just like Jesus is outgoing with love all the time in a relationship, imagine what that does. You are so much one with your wife and your wife is one with you. So it's just a union. Yeah, yeah. And when if you do something that hurts your wife, it's really um, hurting yourself, actually. And so, yeah, we you know, when we think about the closeness of that union, that helps us to, um, you know, not not do those harmful things, not do those harmful things to others. So, Hannah, a question for you. How does the teachings that Paul has Um, that we've been studying about. How does that compare with the cultural practices of his day? What was it like? um, How do men sometimes treat their wives Mm. back in Paul's day? Yes. So the time that Paul was living, it was a time or the world that was very cruel as well. So the man could like abuse uh, his wife or even kill his wife, children and servant without any civil penalty, which is like very surprising. So when Paul was this, this must be very um, countercultural as well. Mm. That um, you know the picture of this tender picture of marriage that Paul presents. It must have been very different from the time that he was living. Yeah, because so um, sometimes we hear the idea that you know Paul was really. I don't know, down on women and sort of, but that's when we really actually do look at the culture Mm. in which he was living, this amazing picture of marriage that he presents is, you know, it's, it's not really like, like what some people are presenting it being. Okay. So, um, so where does the idea of the union of the husband and wife come from? Harold, what, what Bible story does that go back? Well, you know, Paul quotes from the original, but let me read Paul's verse. Mm. For this reason, in verse 31, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's a quote from Genesis when God made Adam and Eve. And then he said, a man will leave his parents and be joined to his wife and start a new family and they will be one. Now, that is where Paul goes back right to the beginning to show what God's plan for all of us really is. Yeah, Okay. So um, really, actually, I think when we're studying the Bible, it's really helpful to us always to look back to that first picture of creation, the Garden of Eden. That is really always God's ideal. And so it's it's always worthwhile to bear that in mind. And so, Hannah, today the institution of marriage and the family is coming under increasing attack. Mm. And what does verse 31 say about what God designed that marriage is to represent? Yeah. Oh, uh, let me read verse 32. Yes, yeah, 32. It. Yeah, this is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It says mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this uh, marriage is designed to illustrate the relationship between Christ and his church. And when we try to counterfeit or try to go against to the um, the image that he made, then it will falsely represent God's character as well. 
Yeah, so, and that's really a dangerous thing, you know, when we think about ourselves as Christians, you know, and when we think about as well the, the things that we've been studying in Ephesians and how, um, like, for instance, in chapter three, we were talking about the, the role of the church and really the church's role is to represent the character of God on earth. Mm. And so, you know, we might not always realize what, um, what we're doing if we, um, if we, you know, think that we can change God's plan right. without, um, without any um, second thoughts. Mm. But when we do that, we don't realize how we might be misrepresenting right. the character of Christ. So, mm. so it really is a, um, a dangerous thing for mm. us at all to to do anything to change this amazing plan of marriage and this, this plan that goes right back to the beginning. And yeah, as you mentioned there, Hannah, um, it's a mystery. And so Paul just loves mysteries. He's had a number of mysteries that we have spoken about. You know, there's the mystery of godliness right. itself is spoken about. And there's also um, the the mystery of the Gentiles and the Jews becoming one. And now here is another mystery. Um, and it, he says, a great, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. But mm. also in marriage, that's a mystery as well and how it can come into our married lives when we are sinners. So Harold, um, let's go to you. So Paul, as we've been saying, he loves to dwell on the mysteries hidden in God. We cannot really fully understand the character of God, but what can we do? Let's look at the last. Well, verse. it's true. We can understand God. He is omnipotent, all powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything and he's he's just everywhere. But this is what Paul finishes the chapter with. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here is mutual love. Mutual understanding, mutual support. And that's what Jesus is for us. And while we can't understand God, if we go into this marriage relationship as he has planned, then there is happiness. And we can see this is a little bit like the, the great good love that God has for us. And so he uses marriage as an example. This is how you can understand a little bit more of what God is and how he treats us. Yeah, and it's really amazing, you know, as we've been thinking about these amazing things, you know, as I was thinking about these different things, I thought about actually 1 John 4 and verse 19. Maybe we can just um, go there just to finish with. Um, 1 John 4 and verse 19, it says, we love him because he first loved Amen. us. Yeah, so um, as we think about Christ, you know, he is really the model for both husband and wife as we behold his love, that's how we can really be changed into Correct. his image and experience these amazing things in our married life. Yeah. Or even if we're not married, you know, we can rejoice in the love of Amen. Christ for us. So that's all that we have time for today. Thank you both so much for being on our panel. It is only in the light of the gospel that believers can understand the profound beauty of God's plan for marriage. 
as husbands and wives yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, their lives will be patterned after the self-sacrificing love of Christ. Their marriages will then give a true representation of the character of God to the world. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. All past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.